Welcome to the Teach the Geek podcast, where engineer and author Neil Thompson talks with STEM professionals about public speaking, a struggle for many of us. Whether you're a novice public speaker or a proficient one, you can always pick up tips on how to improve. Here's your host, Neil Thompson. Welcome to another edition of Teach the Geek interviews. My name is Neil Thompson. I'm the founder of Teach the Geek. It's an online platform for science and engineering professionals. Consider checking out the offerings at teachthegeek.com. Again, that is teachthegeek.com. Today, my guest is Dagna Bieda. I think I got that right. <laughs> She's a software engineer and a coach to software engineers. Her original background is in control engineering and robotics. So I'm keen to find out how she ended up in software engineering. She started her coaching business, The Mindful Dev, to help software engineers reach their goals such as getting promoted, landing a new job, getting a salary increase, or becoming a CTO. So why robotics? Why software? Why coaching? So many questions to ask. <laughs> welcome, to, <laughs> welcome to Teach the Geek Interviews, Dagmar. Hi, Neil. Thanks for having me. Oh, you got it. So I mentioned in the intro that you studied control engineering and robotics. So I know maybe a little bit about robotics. I think that's more self-explanatory, but what is control engineering and what motivates you to study that? So control engineering is studying how to create systems that can control <laughs> elements, right? Having input from sensors and then either turning on and off some valves. So it's involved in automation processes and let's say creating like a robotic line in a factory, you know, that can design or produce some things. That's part of it. Uh, I specifically specialized in robotics. And the reason for that being is when I was a teenager, I had this grand vision that I want to create the future, right? Whatever that means <laughs> in the mind of a 12 year old. But I always knew that I wanted to be an engineer because I felt like engineering has such a huge impact on our everyday life. And you can see with, you know, as time passes by that we move from having this incredible computer machines uh, being available to only like a group of people that are trying to launch people to moon. And now everybody's like, carrying a super incredible computer in their pocket, right? So as technology advances, I knew it's just going to go forward and be bigger and have greater impact of our lives. And I wanted to be a part of it. So when I started to graduate from high school and I needed to pick up my uh, college degree, I thought, okay, let me get something that is like the most futuristic thing that I can have my hands on. And that was robotics. So that's that's the reason I picked that. Now you were asking me also why I moved to programming, right? You, you could be thinking, wow, robotics is such an amazing thing. And most people, when I tell them about my background, they're like, oh, you're building robots? Wow. And now you're just programming apps? Like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> but the truth be told, building robots takes so much time that it's really hard to kind of like have that enjoyment of the process, right? You have to wait a long time for you to kind of like look back and see what you've accomplished and just be excited about that. So essentially I moved to programming because I wanted to kind of like get that uh, reward uh, faster, right? I wanted to be able to implement something and see that it builds and then deploy it within, you know, a much shorter time frame, not in a month's time frame. So programming, I feel like it's so much more uh, rewarding than building robots, if you will. So yeah, that's the reason I 
jumped across the fence. Okay, I got you. Okay, so robots were taking too much time, apps are a little quicker. <laughs> so you wanted exactly. to get, you want to get that reward, the reward more quickly. I I I I fully understand. I worked in medical devices. It sometimes would take longer than other times to to to, to get something to market because everything is is you know FDA regulated, at least here in the US. So I, I fully understand the the, the desire to see something actually come to market and come to fruition as opposed to something exactly. that may take years and years and then you're still not there yet. It's just like, man, what, what am I going to put on my resume? I got to put some accomplishments on this damn resume. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can say that I, I worked on something. Is it out yet? No. What, is that going to be out soon? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, there was talk about on these on these resumes. You got to put these accomplishments. You got to put numbers to you know metrics to the to the accomplishments. It's like what what I got to show up. It's not selling, so I can't even say that it sold this number of units and for how much money is this. I, I worked on it. That's when you put the R and D effort, right? That's where the R and D effort goes in. <laughs> you know, no doubt. Yeah. You know, out of curiosity, so you were you you were in robotics and then you moved into apps was it always the 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 desire to stay more technical or to move into something that was potentially more i guess not technical because at least the sense that i get is when you're in a technical role and you want to move up in an organization the 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 next move is to become a manager of people was that ever something that you were interested in so there was a part uh in my career there was a moment that i really wanted to be promoted and then there was this situation where someone who I thought had less knowledge, less experience, less education got promoted over my head for a management position. And I was like, hold on, what is going on? Like, clearly I did something wrong or I'm missing out on something, some memo that someone posted and I haven't just seen it because uh, like I said, someone who I thought got promoted over my head and I was more qualified in my own mind, right? And as I work now as a career coach for software engineers, I see that as a very common scenario that at least for software engineers, we tend to overvalue the technical skill set and we forget about the human side of software, right? The fact that we write software with other people. I mean, even if you're a solo developer, you still have your product manager, you still have your scrum master, your uh, business partner, your clients, right? So it's always people creating something for other people and software engineers tend to forget about that and just focus on technology. So to your question, whether I wanted to be a manager or not, there was a point in my career that I wanted that. And the funniest thing ever is the day that I got an offer to be promoted to an engineering manager is the day that I went to the office, um, said in my mind that I'm going to put my notice in and become a full-time career coach. Imagine that. <laughs> the day off, like, can you imagine? Like, <laughs> <laughs> After all that time, like, someone else got promoted over you. And it's like, this is bullshit. I, I, I'm going to leave. I, 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 this person shouldn't have gotten the job over me. And then they finally get that position that you thought you'd wanted. And then, then you left. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean it's mysterious how the world works sometimes you know yeah. you think you want one thing uh now i recognize that you know i wanted to be a manager not necessarily out of my own personal need of wanting to be a manager i wanted to become a manager because like you mentioned it seemed like the reasonable choice to climb up and i thought that um 
to be seen as successful in the eyes of my friends, my family, my mom, you know, that was like the, the next step, but it turns out it wasn't. So when I found my career coaching, what it is, what I'm doing right now, it's so much more fulfilling. And I feel like I get so much more impact because I get to work with people across different domains uh, in different um, types of markets and companies from startups to, you know, huge uh, names like Google, Amazon, Disney. So that's really awesome. And I wouldn't be able to do that if I was just a manager at a company. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. And just like I had said earlier, you're right. People think that once you start off as, as a technical person to move up in a corporation, you need to be a manager of people. But I think what a lot of people miss is that when you're a manager of people, it's a completely different job than being a technical, non, you know, technical individual contributor. Now you actually have to, well, you're getting away from the technical part. That's one thing. But now you actually have to deal with people for real, for real. Like the people that report to you, you have to deal with their problems. It's not just, I'm just going to encourage them. I'm going to coach them up. It's going to be all motivation and everything's going to be all great. No, now you have to actually deal with any kind of issues they have, maybe with someone else on the team, maybe somebody else within the company, just issues they're having in their personal life. Like all of that stuff you have to deal with now. And that's what you're getting paid the big bucks for. Is that something you, you, you want to take on? I don't think a lot of people really think about that when they go into these management positions and then they're all blindsided when all these things start coming at them. And they're just like, I just, I just wanted to be, I just wanted to move up in the organization, get a little bit more money so I can, you know, <laughs> you know, get, 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 you know, just move up and move up. And, and just like you said, let make my mom proud, you know, <laughs> but not yeah. get all these problems. Like, I don't need this. <laughs> I mean, I think it's fair though, um, to also say that in STEM fields, which is incredible, I feel like you can move up down, left, right, you know, you can switch companies, you can go to different markets. And that's really spectacular, right? I know some software engineers that climbed the ladder, so to speak, they were uh, to be an engineering manager, a director, and then went back to software engineering, because they were like, you know what, I don't want my calendar to look like meetings all day long, and then they scale back. And it's completely fine. And it is doable in, in this profession. So you know, I think that's just incredible. Yeah, that's another thing you have to deal with when you become a manager is all these meetings. I remember when I would hear people complain about not being included in meetings. And I would remember thinking to myself, man, if, if I get put off, if I get, I told, not to, if I get told not to go to a meeting, I'm happy. That's what makes me happy. I don't have to go. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. So eventually, so you, you're at this job. You finally get an engineering manager position, a management position, but then you decide to, to leave it all behind, go full-time as a coach. What made you decide to be a coach specifically? You know, here's the thing. I've been coding for over 10 years now and coaching for three years. And I am an incredible coach because I've been in the developer's shoes. You know, I understand how the daily routine looks like, what are the roadblocks, but more importantly, how to pass them. And there's a lot of struggles that I had to come through um, as an engineer in my engineering journey. And I was able to kind of like reverse engineer the process that I used for myself. And then I apply it to my students. And, you know, my clients, um, whenever they come to me, can see that my process works for them as well. I mean, just this past week, I wrapped up uh, a coaching package with one of my clients who literally doubled his salary as we worked together. So he went from 109K 
to 220 and his relationship with his wife improved because he stopped overworking and he told me that you know as we worked together he experienced his Shoshank redemption right that he felt he was like in prison working all the time and having his priorities all wrong and then as we started working together we changed his perception and uh, reframed some ways of thinking that he had so he could feel more free in a daily life, more happy and double his salary, right? Isn't that incredible? Oh, no question. And I'm sure his, his wife was happy about that too. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, you get Absolutely. to work less than me. Are you making more money? Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, that's, that, that's a good deal. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we, whatever we paid uh, Dagna to work, to work with you, that, that, that money was well, was well spent. No An incredible investment, right? Oh, absolutely. And the fun thing about it too is, you know, as I work with people from, again, different domains, different types of companies, um, you know, LinkedIn, Amazon, Google, Disney, or like small mom and pop show uh, startups or like um, agency companies, you know, I help people achieve their own potential. And that lits me up on fire every single day. I wake up every morning knowing that, you know, what I have to share with them is going to change their life for the better. And the impact of that change is, is a lifetime long impact. So it's not that we just work on getting you a new job or getting you a salary increase. No, it's something that fundamentally changes your entire life and that's so fulfilling for me that you know that's something that I do for free honestly right but you won't you gotta pay (laughs) don't get twisted now (laughs) here's the thing it's an investment in yourself you know and it's also a great filter I'm not trying to work with everybody. I'm trying to work with people who are committed because I want to wake up and help them achieve their things. And having a price point really helps with that. You know, it's a filter of people who are really motivated, committed, and they know that this investment can bring them incredible results if they only put the work in. The the title, not title, your business is called The Mindful Dev. And that word mindful really stood out to me. Is, is, the, is there a significance between, with you using the word mindful? And if so, what's the significance? Absolutely. So a lot of uh, struggle in life and frustration coming from kind of like, as I call it, running on autopilot, you know, doing what you're told, you think you're expected to do without really stopping to think what it is that you want to do. The moment you can stop and really figure out, okay, what it is that I want, not what I, ex- what I think that my mom expects of me, not what I think my boss expects of me, not what I think my spouse expects of me, but what it is that I want, what it is that truly, really, you know, makes my life on fire, and what makes me excited, what makes me keep going. The moment you can stop and realize what it is, and then be mindful about how your actions are supportive of the things that you value the most in life. That's how you bring fulfillment. And this is what my business is about. So thank you for bringing this up. The mindful dev really is about through increasing mindfulness to increase fulfillment in life. And my clients, you know, um, I've also had incredible two case studies from last year where one of my clients went from being underappreciated senior engineer to a startup CTO in three months that we worked together and another one who went from being an individual contributor, a senior engineer went through to being a VP of innovation in his company. And both these cases are dream 
come true for the clients. When they came to me, they were kind of shy and humble and like, Magna, I don't know if I can do it, but maybe 10 years down the road. So like, let's start like paving the pathway. And then boom, 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 boom. Two months, three months later, they're in, in, in that situation that they thought they'd be in five to 10 years time frame. So, you know, I mean, you can probably tell that I'm all excited about just telling you right now. <laughs> but this is really something something that um, that lets me up on fire every single day. You know, I think you're absolutely right, Dagna, when you when you talk about people kind of just sleepwalking through their careers and they think that they're on this path and this is the path you need to stay on and there's no there's no opportunity to to change. And sometimes it can even be a radical change. The this podcast or YouTube channel that I have, it's been so interesting hearing from, from different different people like yourself, people that started off on a path and you would think, okay, that's the great path. People looking in would say, that's the path to be on. Like, why would you even ever think about leaving, leaving such a path? But ultimately you have to think about what you want to do. And you're right. It's not about what your mom wants or what your spouse wants, what other people want. So what, what do you want? And I, oftentimes I don't think people really take the time to ask themselves that question. <laughs> just nope. Every other week, money ends up in my account. This company seems to be doing all right financially. The work is fine. I mean, I don't, I don't dislike it. It's, 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 it's okay to do. So I'm just going to keep doing this until I'm told not to do it anymore. <laughs> exactly. Right. Until they fire me, then, okay, I'll go and find another job. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You're, so the work that you're doing is, is certainly important. When it comes to the, even the, I guess the, the scope of this podcast and YouTube channel is about presenting in front of people and, and getting better at it and people in the technical field seeing the benefit of it. When did you realize that communicating in front of people could be of benefit to you? Early, very early. You know, I love giving presentations for whatever reason, um, even though every time that, you know, just like you mentioned in some of your episodes that, you know, you have this sweaty feeling and you're shaking and you're like, oh my God, oh my God, you know, terrified just standing up there and speaking to people. Um, I kind of, I kind of like that feeling. <laughs> And I realized very early that, you know, being able to communicate about what it is that you do is very important. Now, there was a moment in my career that I kind of forgot about it and stopped doing it, stopped marketing myself and focused on the technical rather than the soft skills. And that really contributed to me plateauing in my career. I feel like I was a senior engineer for a long time and I wanted to advance like we spoke a moment ago and that wasn't happening. And the reason it wasn't happening is because I wasn't communicating to people about my achievements. I had my priorities mixed up, um, you know, and speaking engagements are really an incredible way for you to, first of all, increase your visibility, help other people understand what it is that you're working on and what's the value that you bring to the table. But also it helps massively organize your own thoughts, right? I mean, how do you know that you master a topic? Whenever you can explain it to your five-year-old niece, right? So go to your five-year-old, 10-year-old niece, nephew, and tell them, hey, um, here's what an API is, right? <laughs> And once you are able to explain that concept to a child, that's when you know that you actually understand what it is that you're working with, right? So being able to communicate with other people um, and stand up on the podium, give a presentation, or even in a meeting, in a meeting in a company with a few people, just lead the meeting, 
that helps massively with improving the visibility, like I said, and helping to organize your own thoughts. Nice. Hey, if you're able to explain what an API is to a five-year-old, I commend you. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a skill in and of itself. Typically, if a five-year-old's coming up to you, they, they, they just want a cookie. Right? <laughs> Give me something. <laughs> what are you telling me about? <laughs> yeah. You know what? Yeah. I, I fully, I fully agree with you there, Dagda. So I also I commend you for liking that that nervous kind of feeling going up and, and, and speaking in front of people. It's, it's certainly something that a lot of us avoid. I, I certainly avoided it at first until I saw the utility of getting up in front of people, just like you said, so that people know about your accomplishments and and then you're not that engineer that's mad because someone else got the promotion over you. Perhaps they were just better at letting other people know about what they were working on and their accomplishments. So they are top of mind for the people who were the decision makers and to decide who's going to get the promotion. But maybe you, if you're a exactly. that engineer that's sitting at their desk diligently doing their work, but no one really knows what you're doing with the exception of perhaps your, your direct manager and maybe the people you work with, your, your team. I mean, that might not be enough to to warrant getting that promotion and not only that people might not even know you want the promotion <laughs> you, you might not have even asked for it exactly. mm-hmm. <laughs> but you just assume well i'm doing my work they should know that i want this promotion why should they know that because people are my readers yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly they're not so like you have to be vocal about things and that goes for promotions that goes for races that goes for moving into different teams you know, it's very important to tell people what it is that you want, because how exactly, just like you said, Neil, they, they're not mind readers. How would they know? Not, no question. When it comes to any kind of presentation that you have to do, do you have a process for putting it together? And if so, what is it? So I don't essentially have a process. I like to just write out everything that comes to my mind and then sleep on it and then the next day kind of like hash through what makes sense what doesn't but I do have like three specific advices when it comes to public speaking and presentations and number one is a hack it's really a hack that I learned when um and now brace yourselves when I was preparing myself to give birth so I was really mentally preparing myself because it's, you know, such a scary moment in a woman's life that is going to be a mom. And I learned that in your body, fear and excitement are super similar. Like it's the same chemicals that your body releases. So the real difference is how you interpret that feeling. So essentially coming up that stage Knowing that you're scared, super scared, tell yourself, I'm excited. Your body's not going to know the difference. It really is that mental interpretation where, where you can tweak things around. And that's like super critical hack that I've been using ever since I learned about it. When I have to do any sort of public speaking and be in front of people, I'm telling myself, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm ex- I'm super stoked. Like just before this podcast, that's exactly what I was doing. <laughs> telling myself how excited I was, you know, for this opportunity to speak with you, Neil. That's number one. The second one is, um, and I cannot remember who said that. So unfortunately, I cannot credit the person, but don't try to be perfect. Be fabulous. The people that came there to listen to you speak, they're not looking for you to, you know, 
stick 100% to your script that they have no idea about. They come for your energy. They come for your takeaways. They come for connection and like personal stories, which brings me to the advice number three, which is about how you make a full up. That's, that's what I say. You kind of succeeded, right? <laughs> By failing. But in reality is, I love to share in my presentation some embarrassing stories about myself because people aren't perfect and it feels like it's good to connect over the things that we failed about so that others can learn from those mistakes right? And if I give myself, if I give myself a permission to go out there and make a fool out of myself, then, I mean, there's nothing else that can go wrong, right? Yeah, I, I, that's interesting. It's, uh, it's telling stories of, of failure, but now I think about, I mean, what's failure if not just learning? I mean, so exactly. if, if, if obviously, well, hopefully you learn from whatever failure that you, that you experienced, but if someone else was in a similar position that was in the audience and, and heard about this, the, the position you were in and the failure that you experienced, they can learn, okay, well, I guess <laughs> don't do what she did. <laughs> that can be helpful. And then also, right. I, really, I really like your point about not trying to be perfect, but be fabulous. I mean, if you're striving for perfection, you're going to fail ultimately because there's no such thing as perfection. I mean, exactly. Practice, practice makes progress. It doesn't make perfect. I mean, you're always striving. There's always something that you can do better. I, I mean, love that. Practice yeah. makes progress. Love it, Neil. Oh, thank you. I wish I could take credit for it, but I didn't. I didn't come up with that term myself. But it, I, it's, it's <laughs> one I certainly live by. And and then your other point about fear and excitement being essentially you, you feel the same way when you experience both. I think that's great. It's, it's kind of a mind switch. Instead of just mm -hmm. thinking of the negative of fear, thinking of a positive of excitement. And I think that's that's really helpful to help people kind of get over that that fear of public speaking. It's not fear of public speaking anymore. It's an excitement to, to, to give a presentation. It's an excitement for public speaking. So thank you for offering that, Dagna. This has been really, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for being a guest. How can people get in touch with you? Absolutely, my pleasure. You know, the best way to get in touch with me is by going to themindfuldeath.com slash podcast, and you'll be able to enter a short case study video that explains how I work with my clients. So if you were to be interested in working with me at some point in the future and advancing in your career and achieving spectacular results, you can, on that particular link, themindfuldeath.com slash podcast, learn what's the process that I follow with my clients. Excellent. Well, everybody, that marks the end of another edition of Teach the Geek interviews. My name is Neil Thompson, founder of Teach the Geek. It's an online platform for science and engineering professionals. To find out more about it and what I do, you can go to teachthegeek.com. Again, that is teachthegeek.com. Until next time, take care and stay safe. Thanks, Dagna. Thank you. Well, everyone, that marks another episode in the can. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like these episodes and want to support Teach the Geek, please subscribe, share, and like on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Or on all of them. Also, if you prefer to watch the episodes, head on over to the YouTube channel at youtube.teachthegeek.com. Until next time. <laughs>